Are you tired of hearing people complain about the world and ready to own the responsibility to make the world a better place? Hey, my name is Brent Simpson and welcome to this episode of Creating the Future. I believe that within each of us is a yearning to make the world a better place. So let's work together and make that desire a reality. My hope is that today's conversation inspires you as you endeavor to create the future. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to Creating the Future. I wanted to do something a little bit different with this episode and talk to you about something that I believe we're seeing played out right in front of our eyes right now. Uh, if you've been around uh, for very long, at least in my world, we end up talking about our post-Christian nature inside of the United States of America. And right now we are very much in the uh, midst of a post-Christian culture, and that has some uniquenesses to it. And so just wanted to talk about that for a second and hopefully help make sense of what we're seeing in the United States right now. If you're looking at it thinking, what in the world is going on? Uh, I think we can help shed some light on the philosophical approaches uh, with our culture and what's happening in our culture right now. Starting with this idea. In the post-Christian society, politics becomes the new religion. So now that religion inside of our society is kind of being pushed to the side and ignored, and, uh, and really um, part of post-Christianity is that it wants to get rid of all religion or at least keep it in zoo-like uh, places where you can go and see it, but it doesn't touch anything. It's, it's like going to the animal at the zoo that you don't want to completely dis- distinguish or, or extinguished but you want to keep it away from everything else so that it doesn't affect anything else. And you can go see it, talk about it, put it in a museum, uh, but you don't want to affect anything else. So as this happens, it creates a vacuum uh, that gets filled with politics. Now, um, within this uh, concept, uh, we talk about post-Christianity. I've heard some people say it this way, that that post-Christianity wants the kingdom without the king. So they want all the benefits of it. They want to get to this place of utopia, this heaven-like state, but they want to get there without the king. So we want the kingdom apart from the king. And without religion, there is no vehicle to drive us to this utopia. Uh, It's like, all right, how are we going to get there? How is it going to move us to this place? How are we going to be motivated to be better people? That, That vacuum that's now left by religion gets filled by politics and science and some things like that. Those are the things that we are told will drive us to this utopia. Now, even if it's not verbally being told this, these are the things that are, are uh, coming to our minds and, and uh, are ingrained inside of our culture. So at this point, we got to look to uh, beyond Jesus to help us. We got to look beyond, uh, you know, the church to help us. Now we need to look to Washington, D.C., And this is key, and I want you to hear this. This is what happens in these moments. Science becomes the Bible, government becomes the new church, and politicians are the new pastors. Let me say that again and help it make sense. Science becomes the Bible. The Bible for a long time was the standard of truth. It was the standard of what was was true and what was not true. Um, And now the Bible is being replaced and has become replaced really already by science within our culture. So now people don't really care what the Bible says. They don't really care if it's true or not, to be honest with most people. But if you were to state a scientific fact, that becomes the standard of truth. And that's what's happening. Science becomes the standard of truth, not the Bible. So science 
becomes the new Bible. And so people pull out science when they want to make an argument where they used to pull out the Bible. Sometimes that's not even always bad because we're not against science. We love science. Uh, and, and, but we're seeing the Bible being replaced by science. That's what I want us to see. At the same time, we're watching the government become the new church. We're watching the government become the place that you go find hope, encouragement, strength for the, for the future, the place that's casting vision for where the future needs to go. And the government becomes the new church. Politicians become the new pastors. In fact, it, it, it's funny that just last night I was watching a politician uh, as we're going through this election season, uh, watching a politician who uh, was giving a little speech. And I thought to myself, that sounds a whole lot like a sermon. And the guy looks a whole lot like a traditional pastor. And that's what happens. So the government becomes the church, but the politicians become the new pastors who are now sharing this truth and sharing what the government's saying and becoming this vehicle to bring us to this utopia, at least in that, that post-Christian humanistic worldview. And so, you know, Christianity and the Bible are supposed to bring hope, but now science and politics are going to bring hope in its place. Um, uh, uh, and we're watching this temptation to suddenly, or I'm sorry, we're watching, we're watching this temptation to subtly turn from Jesus and the church and the fact that Jesus and the church are the hope of the world and now turn to a political person or a political season. So now we're in this temptation to subtly turn from Jesus and the church being the hope of the world to having a political person or a political system become the hope of the world. Now, I bet you anything, if we were to take a break right now, in fact, you could do this, you could pause it and, and, and ask this question, where do you see people putting their hope? You see it in politics right now more than ever. In fact, out of this, we see a whole new gospel story that emerges, right? We know the gospel story is that you are a sinner saved by Christ's sacrifice and his grace that now saves you and makes you a new person. But this new gospel story is that a person can, can rise from the ashes to become somebody, right? This new gospel story says, uh, in fact, we see it in movies and things all the time, and it's, and it's a good story, but if we're not careful, it replaces the gospel story that says the person had nothing, and, and it's kind of like the Pursuit of Happiness movie with Will Smith. He had nothing, and he pulled himself up by his own strength and his bootstraps and pulled himself up and, and gave a better future, and, and out of that became wealthy or became a prominent person or became somebody great because he worked himself through the story. And we're seeing that played out right now. And there's this new gospel story that's being told over and over and over through our media that says, this is what we want. This is the good news that you can build yourself up and the government will create the conditions to allow that to happen. These politicians will create uh, the right environment for you to be able to pull yourself up and we're going to give you all the tools and, and this new gospel story gets celebrated. Uh, and we're watching how this has changed over and over and over. Uh, in fact, I heard it said this way one time, if you, if you look at uh, the gospel story compared to what we're being sold, you see this transition happening all the time where you need to break off these old ways and step into new ways. So if I were to give you a, a quick illustration, uh, you could say it this way that we've all seen this Lifetime movie where there's the girl, she's the high school sweetheart, she's married or, or engaged to the quarterback of the high school football team and now they're in college and they're going to get married when college ends and, and she's the sweet little girl that's never really done much wrong and all of a sudden she goes on a trip to Europe and, a, uh, uh, you know, and she's doing the whole backpacking through Europe thing for two weeks and while she's there she meets this crazy uh, European guy that rides a motorcycle and he's wild and 
he's nuts. And, and, and while she's there, uh, she falls in love with this guy and actually loses her virginity to this guy in Europe. And, and then when that two weeks is over, she leaves and she's brokenhearted and she doesn't know what to do, but she leaves and, and comes back home. And when she comes back home, she acts like everything's normal, but it's not normal because she's not the same person anymore. And, and you've seen this Lifetime movie, right? And so now she gets to her wedding day and it's on her wedding day and, and her mom is in the bridal chamber with her talking to her and, and she admits to what all happened in Europe and that even though she's supposed to do the right thing and marry this person, her heart is with this person in Europe now and she loves this guy in Europe and, and she's stuck at this crossroads of do I do the right thing, the path that seems to be the right thing, or do I follow my heart and chase after my dreams? And, and, and she finds herself in this place and maybe she's in the bridal chamber and the mom says something along the lines of, of, of listen, sweetheart, when I married your, your dad, there was this other guy and I always wished I'd followed my heart to chase him and I didn't. And so she leaves her high school boyfriend at the altar and runs instead to this, to this guy in Europe that's wild and crazy. Now, now you've seen that Lifetime movie and it becomes a different gospel story that this story actually tells us to break the rules, not follow the rules. This story actually tells us that the more freedom we have, that we should follow our hearts and the more freedom we have, everything will be great. And, and, and if we do that, we'll ride off into the sunset. Now, that is a new story that's being told that is an, it's a new story of our cultural systems that's radically different than the crucify the flesh story of the gospel. It's radically different than that I'm going to deny myself and take up my cross and follow Christ. But that is the story that we're seeing. That is the shift that we're seeing in our culture right now. And, and there's also part of this shift that I don't think a lot of us were ready for, and that is post-Christianity now has its own view of morality, which is what we're seeing in that story I just told you. So in the story, as we're watching it as an audience, all of us start feeling this, yes, she needs to chase her heart. She needs to do the right thing. She needs to follow this guy and, and go to Europe. Right? She, and all of us end up on this side. And it's interesting now that that becomes a new morality of chasing your heart and doing what you want to do, having this uh, extreme version of freedom, assuming it has no consequences, and actually, if you were to be the one that says, no, she should stay with her, her boyfriend that she had forever, that she went to college with, that she had planned to marry, if you were the one that said she should do that, now you would be wrong. You would be evil. You would be the bad person in this story. Uh, in fact, if you were watching the movie and you said that most people around you that are watching the movie with you, they would hate that you said that. They would get frustrated with you for saying that. Why? Because we're watching morality shift in front of our very eyes. And so now people are saying things like, hey, I'm liberated or I'm free, but they're not free from sin. Again, this is a new gospel story. They're not free from sin. They're free from the teachings of the Bible. Now, this is something I don't know if we were really ready for. So people are like, I'm liberated, I'm free, but they're free from that traditional restraints of the teaching of the Bible and that old way of doing things. And if you are still doing things that way, now you become the person with the moral low ground and they have the, the moral high ground. Think about it. And that perceived moral high ground, and I should use the word perceived, has changed. Uh, there was a time when thinking sex outside of marriage was wrong. Now, and, and hear me here, now, if you say that sex outside of marriage is wrong, now all of a sudden you're the bad person. 
Now you're being uh, repressive to their sexuality and oppressive to try to uh, uh, contain their sexuality. Now you're repressive and oppressive. Like, like it wasn't that long ago, but you know, 25 years ago or so, 20, uh, 24 years ago now, when I graduated from high school, you know, people were having sex before marriage. That was not unheard of. But the idea that somebody wasn't having sex before marriage, you looked at them with a sense of moral high ground that you said, yes, they are more moral than I am if they're not having sex before marriage. I'm still going to do my own thing, but yes, they are more moral. Moral. But watch what's happening in our society today. Now it has flipped upside down to now if the poor person is being more uh, if they're not having sex before marriage and those kind of things, now they're being repressive to contain their own sexuality and oppressive if they're telling somebody else to do that. So now the person who is sleeping around is more more moral than the person who is who is you know being celibate. And we're watching this happen all the time, right? If you were to say, you know, I don't drink, right? That's always a, a thing and has been for a long time. If somebody were to say, I don't drink, and somebody else is drinking. All of a sudden, it's not more moral not to drink. In fact, people don't even understand why you would not drink. It makes no sense. And we're watching this uh, moral high ground shift right in front of it, in front of our very eyes. We're watching it in the teachings of the church so often, and we're just watching it change. Um, And an interesting thing starts to happen right here. Um, People in the church used to be what we might refer to as prudes, right? Uh, they were the moral, self-righteous people. They were the ones that, 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 you know, never sinned. And oftentimes they look a little stuck up. You know, they didn't sleep around. They didn't drink. They didn't, what's the old joke? They didn't smoke, dip, or chew, or run with girls who do, right? There used to be that. But now it's shifting that now that the moral high ground is shifted and people that are like that, now they're not the crotchety, stuck-up prudes. Now... It's the opposite, and they are the evil person, and they are the bigots in a lot of ways is the way they're looked at. And the person that is doing those things are now the one uh, that is uh, 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 free and liberated, and they have that moral high ground. And now you start watching them act that way. Now they become the prudes looking down at everybody else. So now as the moral high ground shifts, if I'm sleeping around, if I'm doing drugs, if I'm doing whatever that's culturally accepted right now, now I have the ability to look down on the person who's not and stick up my nose and become that, that, that pharisaical type person, right? Are, are you with me? Are you seeing this happen in society? That's an interesting question too. Um, so religion has this tendency to make people dogmatic and angry and ready to fight, right? Uh, I don't think you have to look very far to see that. Islam, Jewish people, uh, traditional Christianity, you see it in church fights. Religion, uh, by its nature, means to bind up. And this has been the case throughout history that the more religious a person is, oftentimes the more they are bound up and frustrated and ready to fight and oftentimes dogmatic about their views, not willing to bend whatsoever. And so that person becomes the one who buys into the religious narrative that says there's right and there's wrong, and it becomes intolerant of anybody that doesn't agree with me. Now watch this. 
as we march towards this utopia and political, our, our political politics replaces the religion of yesterday, all of a sudden it becomes the religious zealots, the religious Pharisees, so to speak, the religious people who stick up their nose, who, who, who look dogmatic, who are intolerant of anything else as they march towards this inevitable utopia that they think is on the high rise, on the, on the, on the forefront. And it's only a matter of time, and they look at it like it's only a matter of time until you agree with me, until you get as smart as I am. And they look down on anybody else, uh, and they're baffled that anybody else could ever even think anything different than they think. So now they are the moral high ground, and now religious people are, are the opposite. Now, this is a little bit funny because uh, the religious culture by its nature uh, tends to demand that people acquiesce to their rules and their systems and comply and agree with them. That's what religion does, right? But now as politics replaces religion in the human heart, religion becomes that place that demands you acquiesce, comply, or agree with them. Uh, where Christians used to be intolerant, now politics becomes intolerant. Now people become intolerant based on their political views. And, uh, and it's interesting because as Christians now uh, have kind of come out of the season of the 80s or 70s, 80s, I guess, uh, and now Christians are generally more tolerant in churches. They're more loving, more accepting, more open-minded than they've ever been, trying to be more open-minded than uh, they've ever been, uh, trying not to be fundamentalist and angry, trying not to be that 80s church person that's just stuck up and frustrated and angry at the world and, 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 and trying not to get hung up on everything. Uh, as they as the Christians trying to do that, trying to be more relevant, unlike they were in the 80s or so, now all of a sudden you're seeing the secular world take on that same puritanical tone that the Christians had in the 80s that they hated. Now they take on that tone and they start hating uh, the modern Christians who are now trying to be more tolerant. And so this, this, this secular left takes on a puritanical tone and becomes the Pharisees of the secular post-Christian culture. So the Pharisees who were always trying to make sure everything was done right, exactly do this, that a lot of Christians looked like in the 70s and 80s or so. Now this post-Christian world becomes that. And the progressive left ends up becoming angry and judgmental and self-righteous and puritanical. And if you step out of line, if you do the wrong thing, if you vote the wrong way, then we will pounce on you, right? You will get, quote, canceled, and what you see is the worst of 1970s and 80s Christianity, the tables turn, and that becomes the progressive left in the way that they sound. They simply replaced the church as the Pharisees of the day. Why? Because they might say they're not religious, but politics absorb the vacuum of religion. In <laughs> uh, the same American church that's trying to be more open-minded and tolerant and have more conversations. At the same time, the secularists have become more angry and they've become that angry church lady, right? The, if you watch The Office, Angela from The Office and the way she's portrayed, they've become that angry church lady that's not willing to talk and wants to fight. And, and we're watching this play out in front of us right now. Now, and I, and I get ready to wrap up with this. If we've seen anything from the 60s and 70s and 80s and the orthodox people amidst the, the radicals, the, the free-thinking hippies that wanted to break that culture, is that, that when, when you limit 
free speech, when you limit uh, people's freedom, there's usually a reaction to it. Uh, and, and people don't like that. In fact, I believe we're seeing that in front of us right now with our politically correct culture. Generally speaking, most people don't like this politically correct stuff that's going on and the fact that the moral high ground shifts and you have to do this and, and it backfires so often. And so I'm looking for a new Jesus movement of the 70s, the 60s, the Jesus movement that created a unique culture. I believe there will be a backlash within the culture that that happens in front of us now and 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 i think we're in a time that resembles the exile in the old testament with the daniels and the shadrach meshach and abendigos where they're now going into a strange time and you're in my job in this strange time is to make sure that while we might sit at the king's table while we might work in office while we might be used by him that we don't defile ourselves with him right so so daniel refused to defile himself with the king's meat uh, uh, they refuse to bow down to the statues. They refuse to stop praying. And so I believe we are finding ourselves in a place in America that's starting and is going this direction as we become more post-Christian, that the Nebuchadnezzars of the world, the Pharisees now fight back because they have the moral high ground, tell what can and can't be done and will push back against Christians. And it's our job in this time period to stay with those roots that God has given us, to stay with the biblical worldview, no matter what the worldview of our culture is. And and I think we're watching this stuff played out in front of us. Uh, I just wanted to come on this particular podcast as we're watching the political elections happen. Uh, at the time of the filming of this podcast, we still don't know for sure who is the next president and who is not the next president. But watching people's body language and reactions to this, I think we as Christians, those of you who are watching this who are believers, we as Christians have to be very careful that we don't get swallowed up into this religiosity of the politics and make sure that we remain uh, allegiant to Christ, not allegiant uh, to a political system. And, uh, but I hope this helps. I hope this gives some pictures of what's happening at the end of the day. And this is really what I want you to see at the end of the day, Christianity is being replaced by politics, or you could say religion in general. And I think that's true, but religion is being replaced by politics within uh, the country that we live in. That's the, that's the big thing that I, that I really want you to see. Science in our world and post-Christianity becomes the new Bible, the standard of truth. The government becomes the new church and politics become, or politicians become the new pastors. All right. I uh, hope this was eye-opening for you a little bit. I hope it uh, sheds some light uh, on what's happening in our world. I hope it benefits you. And I hope we can continue to create a better future together. Uh, do me a favor. If you enjoyed this, make sure you share it. If you have never uh, followed us, uh, make sure that you follow us, follow the podcast, follow us on YouTube, follow us on Facebook, all those different places. And I uh, hope you benefited from this. I hope it's helping you to create the future. God bless you. I hope you enjoyed this conversation today, and I especially hope it added value to you. If you enjoyed it, would you do me a favor and give us a five-star rating on your podcast provider? It really helps to get the word out. And of course, if you share this content with your friends, that would be great too. And until next time, I hope you continue creating a better future. I look forward to being with you again soon.